Nation. All right, what's happening? Welcome back into the Buffs Nation podcast. Appreciate you joining us again this week. Full, full, uh, full cast on hand. I'm here. Jared's here. Ryan's here. How we doing? How we feeling this week? Feeling good, man. We got some snow over the week. You know, it's uh, a little bit crazy. Just got through Halloween. How'd you, how'd you guys do for Halloween? Did you guys go out? What What was your guys' Halloween? We're talking about Buffs football, but yeah, Halloween was good. <laughs> I uh, handed some candy out. Where do you land on one piece or a handful when you're handing candy out? Do you go one piece? Do you, it depends uh, on how much you want to keep for yourself. <laughs> Because let's be honest, you, you probably don't need it. So let's give out the handful. The kids the kids can have some candy. Yeah, a, lot, a lot of trick-or-treaters, though. It was good. Good Halloween. Um, how about you guys? Good. I mean, I think it depends on the foot traffic, it, whether you give a single or a handful. Mm, okay. But, uh, you know, if you're a less busy house, then you go ahead and go handfuls. We get the reputation, get though. It over. If the kids are saying, hey, they got handfuls, and then three or four show up, you can't just give one out, right? you got to be consistent for the kids. That's true. Yeah, so in my neighborhood, we get almost no trick-or-treaters. It's weird. I, you know, maybe it's just, just you. Yeah, maybe it might, could just be me. <laughs> yeah, we're just we're just Giving off the vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, well, the Buffs did not have a great uh, Halloween weekend, losing 28-16 on the road at UCLA. And I'll say this. The boys fought, okay? It was a close game. It was, what, 14-9 in the fourth quarter. And despite another loss, despite going on the road, and losing, what is it now, four out of five, I kind of feel like there's this shift going on. Now, I'm not sure if it's just what we're seeing on the field, but it, this is, to me, what I'm hearing in press conferences, what I'm seeing outside of just what we're usually, you know, used to seeing on, on Saturdays. But I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of torn, right? Good feelings. They showed up. They fought, but not getting the results. Coach is not happy. And the question marks are coming out. You know, you're seeing it on social media, the, the questioning of the coaching staff by a lot of people. So where do we sit right now? How are we feeling overall this season? Because, you know, you got to consider expectations. Where this team was last year, what we thought they were going to be this season, 4-4 four and four right now, probably we would have taken that before the year started. But the way we've gotten here, not the easiest feeling. Yeah, it's something I touched on last week that is a concern of mine as you just look down the barrel of this the, the rest of the schedule is these are tough matchups week in and week out and you start to see the you know the snowball effects start to happen as you get more and more losses and that's what I'm concerned of I hope we're not going in that direction like you said it's good to see the buffs fight continue to play well I actually thought the defense played really well in the first half of this game against yeah, UCLA. It was 7-6 at halftime um, you know some turnovers some of that was you know great plays from the buffs some of that was a little bit fluky and fell in their lap but you know honestly overall I was really impressed with this defense so good to see some improvements in some areas but it is a concern as you look down the rest of the schedule that it is going to be hard for them to get any wins and that's what they really need to get this thing back on track uh, on today's show we will go over that game give our thoughts on uh, the bus loss at UCLA we have some news to go over we'll go over some football news and then obviously preview Colorado hosting Oregon State this uh, Saturday at 8 p.m. Another late start, but uh, let's start there. At UCLA, like I said, 28-16 loss. Jared kind of mentioned it, how he felt about things, but let's go over the stats. UCLA outgained the Buffs 487 to 242. In the air, it was very actually close there. UCLA had 260 in the air compared to the Buffs 217, but on the ground, once again, different game. Same story. The Buffs not finding any rhythm. 1.0 yards per rush on the ground 24 times for 25 yards. Again, 24 rushes for 25 yards for the Buffs. UCLA had 45 rushes for 218. It's rare that one team, UCLA, 
turns the ball over four times, the opponent, Colorado, doesn't turn it over at all, and the team with four turnovers wins the game. That was a lot of this game. That was a lot of CU. Field position, UCLA kicking themselves in the foot, the missed field goal at the end of the first half. So, yes, I agree, Jared. It's positive to see this defense making strides, but UCLA mismanaging that game had a lot to do with what we saw, in my opinion. So it wasn't all, you know, roses in the first half. Well, Rose Bowl. See what there you go. Oh, hey. Yeah, unintentional. It wasn't all roses in the first half for the Buffs. You know, the scoreboard will take it, but that's where you go into half and say, we got lucky, let's put it on in the second half, and instead they were outscored 21-10. So behind the scenes, maybe not the performance that a lot of us, you know. When I think offensively, they really let themselves down in the first half. When you look at getting turnovers, getting good field position, good opportunities, and and only coming away with field goals, you know, field goal, field goal. You get when you're up six nothing, it just it really felt like if that game's fourteen nothing and the Buffs had scored two touchdowns on those drives, it's a totally yeah. different game. And and I think that's that's a that's something where this offense has been really good at the beginning of the season and seeming to kind of fade as I think the the lack of the running game is really becoming an issue for the Buffs. Uh, box score here, let's see, Shadour was 27 of 43, 217 yards, one touchdown, no picks. What you don't see there is how much he was under pressure, constant pressure all night. Whew, been a while since I've seen a quarterback fight through something like that. That was bad. It, it was every play two seconds. I mean, in two seconds, the the div- defensive ends were in his face. It you, you can't make any really do anything offensively when you have that kind of pressure. You can't get downfield. You can't find any open receivers. You're just running for your life at that point. Uh, in the backfield, so obviously they're they're going to count these carries as. Uh, or the sacks is carries, right? So that's that's Which, part of it. He was sacked seven times. Well, and, and that's kind of misleading when we talk about carries and yards, things like that, because in that, Shadour, uh, 13 carries for negative 20 yards, and sacks is included in that, right? So it's different in the NFL and college. It's included in college. You take him out, Alton McCaskill had two carries for 14 yards, Dylan Edwards, four carries for 12 yards, Savion Wilkerson, two carries, 11 yards, and Anthony Hankerson, three carries for eight yards. So... Um, 11, 11 total carries for their running backs in this game. Yeah, but I mean, look, that's that's what? That, that's a lot different than we had looked. 11 carries for 45, 50 yards, so that's different, right? We look at yards per carry. Shador getting sacked a lot skews that, so we need to point that out, that it wasn't just the horrible rushing effort. Now, that needs to improve, but 43 pass attempts. That's kind of who this team's going to be right now. Well, and I think that's part of the issue with where this offense is because this offensive line, as we saw in this game, cannot handle that. They cannot handle the high volume of passing and any sort of deep, you know, routes where they have to hold their line for two to three seconds right. even. It, it, it's just a problem. So I think that's something that the Buffs need to look at moving forward is addressing the ability to run the ball. I think that can take a lot of pressure off the inability for this offensive line to pass block. Uh, Xavier Weaver and Jimmy Horn once again leading the team in catches. Uh, Travis Hunter, three catches for seven yards, did a lot of his damage on the defensive side of the football. Uh, UCLA mentioned some of their stats. Their quarterback was 20 of 27, and as a team, we mentioned they had 45 carries for 218. All right, um, before we move on, uh, obviously Shadour was under constant pressure. We talked about that. That hasn't been new. It's happened all year long. The sacks, the pressure, the inability for our quarterback to just relax and throw the ball and coach has had enough after the game he said 
quote, he's going to go get new linemen to solve this issue. So um, are we all okay with Coach kind of calling out the team, calling out the players? Sure. I mean, the players, this isn't the first time they've heard that from Coach Prime, and I firmly believe that. Um, he's not going to say anything behind their backs um, that he's not going to say to their faces. So I'm completely okay with it. Yeah, this is who Prime is. I mean, that, this is who he's always been. This is how he's been from day one uh, as uh, since starting with the Buffs. I, I, you know, like it or hate it, I, you can appreciate the, the flat-out honesty in the way he uh, addresses the media and, and talks about okay, what his plans but are. But there needs to be a discussion of how truly good is this team, how intrinsically talented is this team. And we this is not for – I'm not going to answer that right now. That's for each of us individually – to try and answer for ourselves, but that's going to decide a lot of our expectations, right? How good is this team? Because just to play devil's advocate, I've heard several people push back at the idea and notion of Coach Prime complaining at this point in the season about his lack of talent. And what I'm hearing from the other side, again, I don't necessarily believe this is more devil's advocate, but they're saying, look, there's 133 teams in, in Division One football. 127 of them don't have the talent they want, right? Every coach deals with the deficiency of talent, not enough players, not the best players. I know Coach Prime wants to be dominant, best team in the nation, but is his expectation misaligned with how good this team is? Because, again, to play devil's advocate for what they're saying is every coach in the country, nearly every coach, not Saban, not Kirby Smart, but nearly every coach is, is playing with a short deck. It's up to coach these players up. It's up to improve offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator to hide the bad players, accentuate the good players, do all this stuff that, to me, honestly, I'm not seeing that much of the needle being moved on a week-to-week basis. I'm not. If anything, it seems like a little bit of regression potentially. Sure. I mean, they've lost four out of the last five games. I know the competition's obviously a lot stiffer, but that's something that we have that, that is is out there, and it's worth having a discussion about. Every coach is going through this. Should the Buffs be handling this differently aside from complaining about it? I, I think in my mind, uh, two different kind of sides of that is, like I said, this is who Coach Prime is and what he does. He's always going to talk that way. He's going to believe that way. He believes he's the best. He believes he can be the best and this team can be the best. So that's just the way he goes about his business and how he's going to talk about and, and address the media. It doesn't matter if his team was two in two and six at this point in the season, right? He's going to still talk that way. And the other side of it is where I can agree. And we've talked about in the last few weeks that this coaching staff, in my mind, needs to adjust, needs to approach some of the things defensively, as well as, as we're seeing now, offensively, differently. But that's not Coach Prime. That's not Coach Prime. Coach Prime is a CEO type, right? He's sure. going to hire an offensive coordinator to do this stuff, hire a DC to do this stuff. So I'm looking more at Charles Kelly, Sean Lewis. That's who I'm talking about. Not necessarily Prime, but the coaches he's hired to do these these, these types well, of Well, and these are big-time guys. Big-time guys they brought in to coach at those positions to do exactly that. So I will agree. I think that's something that we, uh, we, we need to see from this team is the ability to adjust to your talent but it's a the, little more. Well, adjust the talent and coach your talent up. I, I, I always use the example of Oklahoma State. I mean, you talk about a habitual three-star program. They're never in the headlines. They're never getting any star players. Yet, Mike Gundy seems to always have them, even when they have, quote, bad teams, winning eight games a year. So that's a staff I look at in college football that's extraordinarily underrated. They always get the most out of all their players, and it's quick. I don't want to just judge this coaching staff after, you know, eight games. But it's fair to have the discussion. 
it's being had at the national level. I wanted to bring some of that on this show and uh, at least get some reaction, but it is being said out there. Kind of interesting, right, what some people are saying. But, look, there's Coach Prime lovers. There's Coach Prime haters. I don't actually tend to agree with that, but interesting to bring up. Uh, bottom line, before we move on from, from UCLA, is Colorado, as I said, was in that game well into the fourth quarter, okay, despite the turnovers, despite everything we talked about, the yards given up. The bottom line is they still found a way to stay in that game, and I think that is what good teams do. So there are positives to take away from that. You obviously want to come come away with the win, but UCLA is a good team playing at home. You know, I think it was actually a good showing. Uh, Shiloh's targeting call, agree, disagree, quick, uh, rapid fire? <sighs> by by the rule, I agree with it, honestly. It, the, the, the head goes in there. You, you got to do Ryan? it. They're going to call it. Yeah, I, I, I guess I agree with it if we're going wow. by the I, I letter of the law. I thought he was all shoulder. I thought it I was think all intent, shoulder. Intent was, was good on that. I, I thought he was, was all shoulder as well. It was just too high of a shoulder. Exactly. Too high of a shoulder. Yeah. All right. Um, Hate to call them. Let's get on to some news here. Uh, buffs, items, and cash stolen from the UCLA locker room. Did you see this? Yeah. That's really uh, unfortunate, man. God. I mean, that is so ridiculous. Now, apparently... Also happened uh, to a Coach Prime team at Jackson State as well. Yeah, but that was actually at their home facility, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, but that's And so, this is the Rose Bowl. Uh, that's what I'm thinking. Like, don't they have security? What's going on to where it's someone can go into security. the locker room? <laughs> yeah, you know what? You might <laughs> be on an inside job, there. dude. Um, yeah, and, and then you get the people out there that are saying, well, these kids are idiots for having jewelry or anything on them when they go to the game. And, it, and it's like, yeah, because you, you can't trust it to be in a locker, right? I mean, come on. it's This is ridiculous. Yeah, and that's a personal space. Like, think what you want about having that those items on them. Um, there's There still needs to be a certain sense of comfortability that every athlete that walks into that facility, any facility, um, right. should be able, should be granted and should have. Well, and Coach is now calling for uh, UCLA or the Rose Bowl to pay him back, reimburse him. I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah. I think that's a Yeah, that's a, a reach probably. <laughs> but he's doing the right thing. But that was nonsense. Wanted to bring that up. Uh, another piece of Buffs news, Alton McCaskill is set to uh, sit the remainder of the year. He's going to redshirt, will not play again, and apparently he went in, had a discussion with Coach Prime, and they both thought it was the best decision. It sounded, the way Coach Prime phrased it, like it was actually Alton's decision. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I th- I'm fine with it. Uh, <laughs> writing's on the wall for what the Buffs are this year. Sure. I mean, you lose, you, you lose some um, athleticism probably – uh, at the core, probably just your special teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he can uh, do an all right job covering that up. So good for him. He gets another year of eligibility. Well, that's and, what it's uh, about. It's next year. Yeah, for, for sure. Future. I'm excited for that. And uh, hopefully with a retooled offensive line, he'll be running wild. Well, and they always say, too, you know, that extra year back off of uh, is it an ACL that he had, I believe, yeah. is, was the injuries coming off. So the extra year back, you get really back to that 100% level and the confidence you have. So got a chance to get out on the field, get you know used to it a little bit, and now can sit down and get ready for next year. Um, Big 12 announces the 16-team conference matchups through 2027. Did you see this? I did. All right, so let's check out the buffs. Who the buffs got? I have it right here. So, next year, home schedule. Oh, my goodness. It's a tough road for the Buffs. And look, I know you're going to be in the Big 12. You're going to get hard teams. (laughs) So, next year, the Buffs have at home Utah, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Cincinnati. 
Okay. That's a tough schedule. I don't mind it. That's a tough schedule. Again, Utah, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and Cincinnati on the road. And these are just the nine games the Buffs will have in conference. They'll play nine games. On the road next year in conference, the Buffs will get Arizona, Texas Tech, Kansas, and UCF. So, um, yeah, it's it, I, I like seeing this new schedule. I love the whole Big 12 vibe. Yeah, I, so wh- where are we going? Which which one are we gonna go to? UCF's a lot of travel. Yeah, that is. You know, but I mean, that's humid. that's Florida. You know, that might be fun. Depending on if it's snowing, yeah. Let's, <laughs> honestly, Lubbock would be pretty cool to go to. I'd say let's go to Tech. Yeah, that's let's the one do I want to go to. Arizona, we've been there before. That's right, that's that's a come on, Woos. Let's shell out for there it. There we go. Yeah, Woos uh, shelling out. But uh, no, that'll be great to see. Um, we're not going to go over all the schedules. You know, if you want to. Uh, check it out. It's everywhere online. But uh, the next four years, 2024, 25, 26, 27, all decided. Until um, it all changes. Until they change. Yeah, I know, right? In like two years from now <laughs> when these conferences don't even matter anymore. Okay. Um, that does it with the news with last week's wrap-up. Let's get to previewing next week's game against Oregon State. If you want to bet these games and get rid of the risk that comes with the normal sports bet you make, right? We're all used to making the bet. Minus 110. You bet 110 to win 100. You bet 22 to win 20, whatever it is. If you want to get rid of that little tax and start betting 20 to win 20 and 100 to win 100, check out betteredge.com. Seriously, they've gotten rid of the of the house edge, the tax. The little thing that disables everyone out there from winning, they've gotten rid of. So you can stop having the discussion with your buddies, with your wife every month about losing money. Start expecting to not lose anything with Better Edge. Online, betteredge.com. Put in promo code BUFFS for a free 20 bucks. You don't even have to deposit anything. Sign up, put in promo code BUFFS, and they'll give you a free $20. All right, Colorado hosting Oregon State. Another 8 p.m. kickoff. Now, am I? is this a homecoming? Is this a, I believe so. I think it is as well. Do you want to double-check that for sure. me? But uh, another 8 o'clock kickoff, past my bedtime. I'm not going to lie. I've said this before. I'm, I get to bed early. I wake up early. I go to bed early. I struggle with these games. I live an hour and a half away. I'm not home till midnight at the earliest for these games. What television network is it on? ESPN. It is. So this is always the problem with ESPN, too, is 8 doesn't mean 8. Eight means like eight thirty, eight forty-five. This yeah. game starting because the other game before is going to run long, and they they hold it up. It 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 gets even worse. It does. So I mean, we should probably expect around like an eight fifteen kick. But sometimes what happens with ESPN is the game from before is bleeding over, and you don't see the first five or ten minutes. Or so. yeah, they'll just have some little ticker on the bottom that tells the other <laughs> channel that you end up missing. It's always some obscure channel that no one has. Yeah. Like find us on ESPN. College News channel, yeah. <laughs> whatever it is. But uh, 8 p.m. kick on uh, Saturday night. Oregon State, very good team this year. 16th in the college football playoff rankings. Those just came out yesterday. We, of course, record on Wednesdays. So a uh, college football playoff committee has the Beavers number 16 overall. Yes, it is homecoming. Homecoming. Come on back home. Let's get a win for homecoming. Thanks for checking that, Ryan. Uh, 16th overall in the CFP rankings. 6-2 and two overall record. And Oregon State is 3-2 and two in the Pac-12. Now, Two, two losses all season in very, very close games. Both those losses came by three points, and both on the road. They lost at Washington State and at Arizona. So honestly, you look at this Oregon State team, and I think it's fair to do that. You look at these back-and-forth games, you know, they, they could have gone either way, and you say, okay, that team could have won or lost that game. That changes how we look at them, right? The Buffs, they win 45-42 against TCU. 
they come back and win and over or uh, uh, win at the end of the game against CSU, and it's like, okay, they're three and zero. Well, they could have been one and two, right? Those wins cover up a lot of stuff, so that's what we focus on. Well, the same thing for Oregon State, a little bit different. Oregon State, they lost by three points to Washington State. They lose by three points at Arizona. It's like they win those. They haven't had another close game all year. Seriously, not another one of their wins is within a score. So they could be 8-0. That's kind of, and I don't want to make this seem daunting or anything like that, but that's who I see in Oregon State. Very good team, could be undefeated. Good offense, very good defense. We'll break it down in depth here. But this team doesn't have a lot of weaknesses. Well, and they're coming off last week, that loss at Arizona. And and I'll tell you what, yeah, right now, Arizona is looking like a really good football team. They have gone toe-to-toe. They've gone toe-to-toe with every powerhouse in the Pac-12 this year. And they didn't win all of them, but they were in every single game against all these big-time teams. This is another big win for Arizona. So you yeah. got to look at that as, as honestly, a, a pretty good loss, like you said, losing a close game against a good Arizona team. Uh, yeah, is this a rebound spot for them? You know, a motivational rebound situation, potentially. Uh, let's go over some season stats here. Oregon State, offensive season stats. And, and I did mention we're going to start off with Colorado's defense against Oregon State's offense. Did I mention that? I don't think you've said that. Okay, so that's where I want to start with this week. Colorado defense against Oregon State offense. Let's look at some of those stats. Oregon State offensively, 26th in the nation in yards per game at 438. They're 38th in the nation in rushing yards per game at 175. They're 39th in the nation at passing yards per game at 262. And they're 20th in the country at points per game. So right there, 25 in the 30s, right there. Not elite, but certainly not bad at anything. Now Colorado's defensive stats, 127th in total yards allowed per game, 90th in rushing yards allowed per game at 165. They are 131st in passing yards allowed per game at 310, and the Buffs are 116th in points per game allowed. So, obviously, this paints a picture. Colorado's struggling defensively to do a lot, stop the pass, stop the rush, primarily stop the pass. And Oregon State, as I mentioned, good, not great offensively, but no real weaknesses. So when you look at this team, overall top to bottom, anything jump off the page and scare you, Jared? I, well, I think what concerns concern, yeah. me with this offense is they are kind of a run-first offense, and that has given the Buffs trouble throughout this season. Now, they did do you know better early, at least, against UCLA in that regard. Struggled late. They still gave up over 200 yards rushing there. So that really concerns me. I, I think they're... Uh, Oregon State's averaging something like 180 yards a game running the ball. That that could be a problem for the Buffs if they can't shut that down. Uh, Oregon State offensive player stats. Their quarterback is DJ Uyunglele, the old Clemson quarterback, if that rings a bell. Well done. Yeah, you like that? I was nailed it. And uh, the one thing with, uh, with DJ is he struggled with, with turnovers for a lot of his career. Really didn't handle the ball that well, was, was turnover-prone. And this year, he's really worked on that. 17 touchdowns, four interceptions. Now, he's only working with about a 59% completion percentage, so he's not the most accurate quarterback in the country, but he's cut down on turnovers. Uh, So that's one thing I'm pretty impressed with there. In the backfield, uh, Damian Martinez is going to get the lion's share of the carries. This season, he's got 119 for almost 800 yards on the ground, three touchdowns. And uh, the other, he is number, let's see here, he's going to be... Number six, Damian Martinez is. And then Deshaun Fenwick is going to be number one. Uh, he's more of that goal line role in general. Look, at that's very broad and that's very general. But uh, 
He's a little bit bigger. He's got four touchdowns, gets some of those goal line carries. He's got 71 touches for 397 on the ground. So those two do most of the damage. DJ has 42 carries for 134. Besides that, not a lot going on in the backfield. So Yeah, and that's something that scares me a little bit. Um, last week was the first time I think um, – CU really faced a, uh, a quarterback that was okay moving around, um, and they struggled with it. Um, yeah, good point. Uyunglele is very athletic. Um, he's got five touchdowns on the year on the ground, so definitely something the Buffs are going to have to look for, and um, yeah, could could be a mismatch. I was honestly a little bit surprised looking at the stats for Uyunglele. Did I get it? Yeah. Eh, Stumbled a little bit. But okay. DJU. DJU is what we're going to go just for. Got, you just got to commit, man. I know. I, I froze <laughs> halfway through. I tried. I tried. Uh, I actually was a little surprised at, as his, at his stats because I know he is really a running guy, but only averaging, I think, 3.2 yards per carry. And again, we always have to talk about that does factor in the sacks with a quarterback. So that is a little bit skewed there. But he is a guy that at Clemson really ran the ball a lot as a younger quarterback. He's obviously developing as a passer this is more of a sort of traditional pro style type offense under Jonathan Smith there so I think this is something that is an issue yes with him running but this offense doesn't call for him to run a ton no. 42 carries on the season obviously the third leading uh, rusher for the team but uh, far less than what their running backs are getting and they seem like they're a uh, kind of top heavy right now they're very talented I don't want to take anything away from Oregon State but a lot of times you'll see teams with not necessarily the running backs. That, that's pretty normal. But for receiving, you'll see a lot of teams that have five, six guys with double-digit catches, really spreading it out. That's not really the case with Oregon State. They've got mainly three guys on the outside who do a lot of their damage. Two receivers and uh, one tight end. They've got, they've got uh, receiver Silas Bolden. He's number seven. He's their leader with 37 catches, 522 yards, and four touchdowns. But Anthony Gould, kind of that deep threat, he's averaging just under uh, uh, 18 yards a catch. He's got 20 or, or 29 receptions for just over 500 yards and two touchdowns. So those two receivers, Silas Bolden, number seven, Anthony Gould, number two, are their big money makers on the outside. And then watch for Jack Velling in the red zone. He's got 21 catches. Eight of them are for touchdowns. Wow. Big red zone target for them. 14 yards a catch, 294 on the season. So those are the three players you need to watch for. Number seven, number two on the outsides, and then tight end number 88. Otherwise, no one really scares me. Now let's be careful because last time we said this, we were talking about uh, that guy for Stanford who ripped off a school record. But on paper, I don't see... Anyone who really, I mean, Travis is going to be matched up, who mm -hmm. talked about a great bounce back game last week. This secondary should have a decent matchup overall with these players. So I guess the, the point, the takeaway there is, yeah, some very, very good offensive pieces, but you're not dealing with a four or five receiver set. You got to guard every one of them here. So um, all right, let's see here. Let's move on to, well, I, I guess just to wrap that up, Oregon State isn't necessarily elite at anything, right? That's kind of our takeaway with Oregon yeah. State's offense and Colorado defensively. You know, the Buffs have struggled, and that's that's no surprise. Now they're getting better. They got some help last year in, in the form of turnovers. We'll take that again. But the, the takeaway should be the Buffs really, really have to have their best game of the year so far if they're going to have a chance to slow down Oregon or stop them outright. I mean, I don't see us stopping Oregon, no one Oregon State, no one really has this year, and it's because they, they don't do anything bad. This is a team who does everything very well. They're not great at anything, but they're good at everything. So we'll get to the keys to the game at the end, but uh, whew, 
very good offense for Oregon State coming into this game. All right, uh, let's get to Colorado's offense against Oregon State's defense. Do you own a business or know anyone who owns a business? You should consider freelance work. Now, what is freelance work? Freelancers are self-employed experts that you can utilize without having to go through the dragging process of dealing with a business. And Fiverr is the perfect place to find freelancers. Other common things you can use freelance work for, technology, marketing, website design. You can find a personal tutor. You can find musicians to help create music for your project. You can find almost anything at Fiverr.com. Click the link in the show notes to save on your first freelance experience. That's Fiverr.com. Click the link in the show notes to save today. All right, Colorado's offense against Oregon State's defense. This is where the Buffs are going to have to do something because I promise you, the Buffs are not winning this game 13-10. Going to have to move the football. Going to have to find some traction offensively. Let's start off by going over some stats. Colorado offensively, 50th in the country in yards per game. Number three in the country in passing yards per game at 330. The Buffs are 127th in rushing yards game at 79 and 32nd overall in points per game. That is the biggest discrepancy in college football from passing yards game to rushing yards per game. Number three, passing yards Number 127, rushing yards. Oregon State stats, defensively, they are 53rd in opponent opponent yards per game. They are 43rd in opponent rushing yards per game. They are 80th in opponent passing yards per game. And they are 44th in opponent points per game. So overall takeaway from Oregon State's defense, kind of like their offense. Not great at anything, not horrible really at anything, but a bit of a cracked door here because they are 80th in the country, passing yards allowed per game. Colorado excels there. Maybe a little bit of an opening for this offense. Uh, Yes, but I think until this offense can run the ball a little bit or find some way to take the pressure off of Shador Sanders in the pocket, it's going to be hard to be effective. I think that is huge. And I mean, the defense for Oregon State has 26 sacks on the season. So it's a team that can get after the quarterback. So that, that is a concern for me. And I really think this coaching staff needs to lean into committing to at least some form of a running game or utilizing these running backs in a way whether that's screen passes something to get the pressure off these guys are just teeing off because they know you're going to throw the ball every time so they just go after the quarterback they're not afraid of the run at all you got to keep the d-line honest that's a good point um they've got some good playmakers too on the defensive side of the ball their linebacker their best player uh i'm gonna butcher this easton Mascaneris Arnold, linebacker, Easton Mascaneris Arnold. Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> He's got 73 total tackles, okay? The next player on their team has 50. I mean, wow. he is like their version of Nate Landman. He's everywhere, gets everything done. He's also got two sacks. I miss Nate Landman. I know, right? <laughs> He's also got two sacks. He's also tied for the lead on their team in interceptions. I mean, what doesn't number five do? So number five is... Easton Mascaratus Arnold, their linebacker, got to know where he is at all times. Aside from that, Jared mentioned it. They got a lot of pass rushers. Very good secondary. This is a good team. I mean, if you look overall, sacks, pressures, linebacking speed, they do everything well. And I looked at PFF College, Pro Football Focus College. I think they do a good job of ranking, um, rating these, these groups, units, individual players. And looking at this whole season... This defense has been good, but they have had their problems. Pro Football Focus ranks Oregon State 128th in the nation in pure tackling. 
Okay? Now, just to compare, the Buffs rank 66th in pure tackling. So, or 64th, I should say, in pure tackling. So, that's actually kind of a, uh, a promising stat for these running backs. And if you are going to get the running back, the running game going, you want to face a team that's not great at tackling. And so far this year, I know that's one thing we kind of brush over, don't spend a whole lot of time talking about, but Pro Football Focus does not rank them very high at all. Now, in those same rankings, Oregon State has pretty exceptional pass coverage despite all the yards given up. Opponent-adjusted efficiency, they have them ranked 27th overall in pass coverage. And they rank 22nd in um, non-adjusted pass coverage. So they are open on the back end, giving up some yards, but they rank very well in the advanced stats. Now, what I see here is a clear division on how Oregon State's giving up their yards. Teams who can throw the football are actually finding success. It's teams who can't throw the ball that Oregon State's kind of beating up on and elevating those defensive stats. San Diego State passed the ball for almost 300. You know, Washington State had, what, 400 and 404 in the air. You know, so if you throw the ball, those teams who do can stay in these games. Look at a couple weeks ago uh, when they played Cal. Oregon State held Cal to, what, 207 yards through the air, and Cal couldn't keep up. They lost 52-40. It seems to me that that's the theme. If you can throw the football and keep up scoring with Oregon State, you've got a chance. But you need to keep up. That's the whole point because Oregon State's going to score in every game they play. They have not. They put 21 up against Utah. I mean, that's a good, good Utah team. So this is a good offense. This is a good defense. Now, sticking with Colorado's offense against Oregon State's defense, there's not a whole lot of opportunity. Now, I would say it would be Shadour throwing the football, kind of, you know, exploiting what they've done all year, giving up yards and passing opportunities. But, you know, Travis on the outside, these receivers playing consistent. That's probably where I see. But it's tough right now because when I go to, okay, Oregon State's secondary against Travis, against Jimmy, against Xavier, I'm having a hard time accurately evaluating these receivers. We don't get to see what they're doing because Shador doesn't have time. Like, how many plays this season have we seen execute are executed as they were drawn up. <laughs> like five Very few. Like five percent of the plays? It's 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 hardly any of them. It's generally you snap it, Chidor's running for his life, and then he throws it away or runs or throws it on a you know scramble drill, right? Where the receiver breaks their route off and, and is running to try and catch them. So I can't ev- I don't know how to judge Jimmy Horn or Xavier right now at this point in the season based on Normal expectations. We haven't seen them in a normal setting yet. So I'm kind of struggling with that matchup so far in this game. But overall, uh, I think that's where CU's going to find some success when they hopefully try and throw the football. So uh, do you guys have anything to add before I get to my keys to the game? I think just overall from this coaching staff offensively, I want to see, like I said, address the running game, try to get after the running game, but also do things offensively when you do pass the ball to help your offensive line out. Keep a tight end in. Have a running back chip or stay in to help block. Give yourself a chance because if you're just running for your life, it doesn't matter how many receivers you have out in the route. You're not going to get the ball out like we saw last week. you got to find a way to give Shador Sanders more time. We need a huge game from Shador. That's what's, I think, imperative this game. Big game from Shador. Otherwise, the Buffs don't stand a chance. All right. My three keys to the game. I do this every week. I make them specific keys for this game coming up, and I've got three that I think the Buffs will have to do if they're going to win this game this weekend against Oregon State. All right, uh, number one, calling upon the secondary. Okay, I think this is going to be a game, and, and, and again, 
These three keys are if the Buffs are going to win this game. So number one, I'm calling upon the secondary. Need a big game from the secondary, okay? Uh, Shiloh should be back. He he His targeting came in the first half, right? So he'll be back. And I think this defense and Coach Kelly are going to ask a lot from the secondary. Now, if Travis can replicate what we saw last week, shut down deep and on the outside as a team, I think that this will be very, very... I think this is going to be an important game in that aspect. You got to cover deep. You got to cover on the outsides. Don't give up any chunk plays. Because as we talked about, Oregon State has a very good rush-blocking approach to every game they play, right? And I think they're going to want to exploit that against the Buffs. So it's going to be at least a test to see if CU's front seven can handle that. And we're going to have to watch that. I'm not sure if they can. I hope they can. But the game plan has to be to shut down the run. If Oregon State can just average five, six yards a carry, this is going to be a long game. So that has to be the first approach. So with that, I think that big plays have to be shut down. You can't afford to give up chunks of yards. If Oregon State has drives of... 14 plays for 75 yards, so be it. You know, make them earn it. But this front seven is going to be up for a test. And with that test, they have to rely on the secondary to prevent the big plays. So I think in sort of a flip, reverse psychology way of looking at this, it's not on the front seven. It's up to the secondary to stop the big plays and let those guys up front do their job. I think it's a really good point that you make that you don't really think about in that sense where everyone's going, okay, you have to commit to to shutting down the run. Well, that inevitably means you're putting pressure on guys to play one-on-one coverage with little help, especially if there's four or five guys going out in the route and you have a lot of guys in the box, you know, up on the line of scrimmage. In the way that Travis played last week, Travis Hunter, that's going to give confidence for Charles Kelly to be able to utilize that and call that kind of a game so uh, you're right there jared yeah the, the headphones cut out for a second there but i think it's just mine i didn't cut out at it's all, always right? just jared yeah okay <laughs> always just jared um ryan what do you think about that second you're gonna have to be, have a big game with this game plan or at least the anticipated game plan that we're expecting from this uh, defense sure i mean when i think about oregon state you always think about a gritty football team um i think um you know they're, they're going to try to establish the run first um, but they are that type of team that do, that will take a shot if, mm. if they if and they you, see the opportunity. They they are one of the uh, I think second or third in the Pac-12 in deep shots attempted. Sure. So they will go after it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think um, I think that actually plays into the Buffs' hands well, um, in my in my opinion. But uh, yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, again, they're just they're just such a such a tough nosed football team. All right, uh, my second key to the game. Now you guys can disagree with this. I, I'm not sure how you may feel about this one, but. I think the Buffs have to win time of possession and have to win the turnover battle. Okay, the turnover battle, look what happened last week. We won a 4 nothing. Still didn't help. So I think that that's a given. But the time of possession thing, I think a lot of people may push back because obviously the Buffs want to go fast, right? The Buffs, when you have this offensive game plan and mindset of get on the field, move, that's generally not conducive for also winning time of possession. I understand that. Yeah. I'm well aware of that. But it's not all on the offense do that. We often think offense has to get out there and they have to grind clock. Not really. And by the way, the Buffs will often get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready and disable the defense from substituting and then they'll look over and get a play. So they're not always snapping the ball with 25 seconds on the clock. They're sometimes letting it run down. So not always, but I just had to get that out there. The point is they want to play fast-paced offensively. We're all on the same page with that. So a lot of this comes down to the defense doing their job getting off the field exactly forcing three and outs getting off the field quickly and 
I know a lot of this seems difficult because we haven't seen it. As we mentioned, these defensive stats, not great for the Buffs. I mean, what are they ranking here? Uh, 127th in total yards a game allowed. 90th in rushing yards a game. 131st in passing yards a game allowed. These aren't good stats if you're going to be doing these things, but these keys to the game are if the Buffs are going to win, they need to do this. And so this whole time of possession thing, I'm not saying it's got to be 35-25, but if it's just tilted towards the Buffs and they can win the turnover battle, it's going to make this thing a lot more likely to come home as a win. So I know it's not necessarily lined up with how we see this offense execute, but I'm calling upon the defense to help uh, this week with time possession. Yeah, I think if the Buffs are going to win this game, it's going to be because the defense has a big game. You know, I, I look at this Oregon State team overall, and it, it actually reminds me a lot of how kind of Utah has been built over the years. You know, it's just a well-rounded, hard-nosed team. They can run the ball. They can throw the ball. They play good defense. And I think that this offense is good enough to score points with the Buffs, even if the Buffs can score. So if this defense doesn't step up for the Buffs and and keep it as a actually you know a, a close game and not let this offense just get going, it's going to be important. So it does play into what you're saying, and I think the turnovers will be a big part of that. I think if the Buffs can turn over this team, it gives them a really good shot to get some extra possessions and win this game. Yeah, and kind of melding your guys' uh, points together is is points off of turnovers, right? So, um, you know, we had two early ones uh, last week at UCLA, came away with six points. That's not going to do anything for you in the long run. So, All right, my third and final key to the game. I know this may seem lazy because I had it last week, but I think it's so important. Second week in a row, penalties and discipline. <laughs> I mean, it has been such an issue this year, you know, and I don't want to make a habit of coming down on the coaching staff or Coach Prime, but these are a lot of coaching issues, and they've been ironed out, look better last week, but let's show that things are really changed. Let's show this is not a team we can chalk up 7, 10 penalties a game, and we're going to have to battle through 50 to 75 yards of penalty yards, right? You can't have that. So I know it's the second week in a row doing this, but penalties, discipline, you can't beat a team like Oregon State, even if it's at home, if you're not going to be disciplined, so... Yeah, and same thing was said as last week that, you know, it goes all the way around. It's not just the penalties, it's discipline in your assignment. You got it. You know what you're supposed to do and execute. That's how you win these games. All right. Uh, let's get to our predictions in the form of score picks. I know this sounds like a homer pick, but I'm going buffs here, okay? I know this sounds like I haven't lost my faith. I know that they were in that game that game last week. I know they're looking better. I just think they're going to turn the corner on one of these games and surprise a lot of people. Oregon State is not this dominant team that some people thought they were the first four weeks of the year. I know they're good. I know they could be 8-0. But I also have a lot of faith in the Buffs. I trust this game plan to change. I think Sean Lewis is going to do a lot to adapt to the aching, <laughs> limping Shadour that was last game. And I trust these Buffs. So... I know it sounds like a homer pick, but I'm going to go see you 30 to 28. And uh, you know, Oregon State. Keep in mind, two of their three or, or two of their three road games were losses. And Folsom is a tough place to play. Certainly tougher than you know the, the couple places they lost at Arizona, Washington State. So I'll take the Buffs at home, 30 to 28. I, I I can't go there with you, Tyler. You know, I I think the Buffs are in a tough spot in this game. This is a, a matchup that when I look at it in a team that runs the ball well, that is sort of efficient all around defensively, that it's going to be tough for the Buffs. Uh, I, I don't know what 
the Buffs can do offensively with the, this offensive line right now. And until I see that improve, I don't know what this offense can do. So I I think the Buffs can stay in this game. I, I hopefully like to see, you know, something get going in the, the running game from the Buffs. But I got them losing this one 41-34. Ryan, what do you got here? Having a real tough time with it, actually. Um you talked about expectations a little bit earlier, and I think that my expectations are starting to go down um, a little bit, even though I've in I've previously kind of uh, backed up my positivity. Um, I do think that things are going to get a little worse before they get better, and I think um, we've reached the point of no return with this offensive line. So I'm going to go Beavers 27, uh, Buffs 20. Well, that is one thing that I, I, I do wonder about. It's not just the point of no return with the offensive line. It's the morale, right? When right. Coach starts saying this stuff at the sure. podium, and look, I'm all about I, I fall more in the camp, like Jared said, like that's prime. You take the good with the bad. You take yeah. everything. If you're going to have Coach Prime, you can't nitpick at stuff he says and does. So it, I, I'm i right there with you. I, I'm fine with this, but it has to be brought up as a possible distraction, as something in the locker room that if Coach is calling out the O-linemen, not just the players around them, but how do they feel? Right. How are they going to do it? So yeah. it is on the field. It's what's going on in the locker room. A lot of stuff around that. Well, and what you hope to see is an inspired offensive line coming out to prove something this week. Absolutely. You do. You do one or two ways, yeah. If, if there is one other thing about Coach Prime um, in particular uh, that is true is not only will he be honest with you when you're not doing your job, but he is the ultimate motivator. So I have no, uh, I have tons of faith in him, and I hope, uh, I hope they prove me wrong. All right, good stuff this week. Appreciate you listening. Let's go, Buffs. Get a big homecoming win. Eight o'clock Saturday night on ESPN. We'll talk to you next week right here on the Buffs Nation podcast.